Football podcast presented to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Sean Anderson, here to talk with you about FCS football, your go-to source for the best FCS football analysis out there. Wherever you can find it, we can break down any team for you and fill you in on the biggest teams and names that you need to know for 2020. We're going to continue on with our conference previews today on to the Southland, but Sean, before we get to that, we do have to address the big thing that's being talked about right now what occurred over the weekend here in our country the protests that we've seen all over the country and with all that's going on it's it's positive to see that a lot of notable people in fcs football coaches and even players have stood up and participated in either making a statement or going as far to join in on these protests particularly trey lance was one of those guys that were up in protesting and, and participating in this. We also had a couple of former teammates of ours who also participated. We're, we don't need to go too deep in talking about every single person that we know that did it, but it's really good to see that athletes are being a, a wheel in positive change for potentially impacting um, eventual change in our country. Yeah, uh, it, my stance on... Um race within the sport of football is pretty cut and dry the game doesn't care uh what race you are but unfortunately a lot of people outside of that uh our sport do and um i'm just happy to see uh all of the athletes across all sports uh lifting each other up and supporting each other because we just see them as our teammates and our brothers and for the females their sisters and it's just um it's heartbreaking uh to know that that they are going are uh, non-white athletes are going through something that that we as white athletes and just white uh, people um, very rarely or never have to experience um, within our lives, and it's gut wrenching to see our teammates in pain, but it's also uplifting to see how they are making strides to um, to promote positivity um, and to promote um, everything that can go into making. Uh, true equality happen and all the the positives that come out of a, a such a dark uh, situation. So I'm really um, inspired uh, by what we've seen some of our, our our teammates do. I think one of the best messages that I saw over the weekend was from actually a, a former FCS long snapper that I follow, and there was a similar message from a lot of people that were former college athletes saying that sports and college sports are and professional sports are the model to follow which is everybody working together moving forward for a a goal that you're trying to achieve as a group and you don't care about where someone's from and who they are but rather working towards winning and becoming better as a unit so i i think that you know that that like you kind of talked about uh, about how football doesn't really see race and it's just i think that eventually we're going to get to that point where we're going to make forward progress and just in general, though, it's great seeing a lot of people, a lot of faces from the FCS community uh, stepping up and, and being part of this change. Yeah, uh, it's just 
it's good representation, even if it's under uh, really, really unfortunate circumstances. Mm-hmm. Now, Sean, we're going to get on into talking about the Southland on today's show and breaking it down fully. We're continuing on after we did the Southern Conference, the SOCON last week. Yet another conference that starts with the word South, which led to some confusion on Twitter last <laughs> week. Uh, I, I dropped the ball on that, admittedly. But um, this Southland Conference, Sean, was very competitive. It was loaded last year. And coming back this next year, it is going to be even more loaded and competitive. I think this might be the longest list of guys that we've had for returning players because of the amount of uh, Hero Sports preseason All-Americans on the list, and then also the amount of draft prospects we pulled. There were a couple guys we had to bump that were underclassmen that it was just like, uh, all right, we don't want to be t- doing 25 guys, but there's just so many talented dudes on this list, Sean. I'm really uh, impressed with the list and the, the group that we've been able to cultivate here. Um, the Southland, watching these games, I know we call the CAA the uh, SEC of... Um, of the FCS, and I think we refer to that as the uh, that it breeds so many good teams. Whereas real uh, SEC ball is is getting played here. We're talking big plays, a lot of big hits, physicality between the lines. Um, it's really fun football to watch in the Southland, and you might not you might be a casual person and you hear the uh, school university incarnate word. Um, and you're just like, what What do they do there? Is it a writing school? No, they lay the boom, okay? This is the, <laughs> the, the Southland, and it, it's fun to watch. And I think they're really the unsung uh, heroes and unsung conference of the FCS. Yeah, and it's one of the few conferences that I can say that has three and nine programs that could beat some of these teams at the top. Sean, last year's standings, though, we had this this fight for – the top of the division, it came down to the very end of the season in 2019, but Central Arkansas ended up being the first bid into the playoffs. 9-4, and 7-2 and two in conference. Right behind them, just by a small margin, was Nichols. 9-5, and 7-2 in conference. I believe Central Arkansas had that head-to-head victory. Southeastern Louisiana, 8-5, and 6-3. and three. So all three of those teams qualified and played in the FCS playoff last year. If we recall, Southeastern in Louisiana really shook things up with a huge offensive output against Villanova and a shocker for us as we thought Villanova was going to be the sleeper darling of the uh, early rounds of the FCS playoff. Though right after them, going on to the teams that did not make it, Sam Houston State 7-5, and five, bit of a down year for them as they've always been a good program, 6-5 and five in the Southland. McNeese State 7-5, and 5-4. Five, five and four. Abilene Christian four and seven, four and five in conference. Incarnate Word five and seven, four and five in conference. Northwestern State three and nine, three and six in conference. Stephen F. Austin three and nine, three and six. Houston Baptist five and seven, two and six. And then lastly, Lamar surprisingly does not have the worst overall record, but managed to finish in last with a two and seven. Record in conference, four and eight overall. Sean, we've got, like I said, 19 guys that we have to cover here and break down. And why don't I just get us started off and rolling here with Bailey Zappi, the quarterback who was 
like we talked about last week with a guy from the SoCon, Zappy was a reoccurring fat stats guy. He made the list a couple times or at least was in those pre-show production meeting conversations of do we consider him and he maybe just barely made the cut. Last year though, 3,811 passing yards, 35 touchdowns, but 15 interceptions, the six foot two, 180 pound quarterback. Houston Baptist struggled a lot last year, though, Sean, but he was very easily a major bright spot for them. He was, and um, I'm a big fan of Bailey Zappi, one, because he does follow me back on Twitter. Uh, big does spot he really? in my heart. Yeah. And, um, you should that, reach you know, out to him. That, that's a bright spot for me. Uh, I will. Um, but when I'm watching his film, uh, it is... Hurtful for me to say this because I've watched uh, plenty of Redskins games uh, over the course of my lifetime and fandom. Uh, he is very rep- reminiscent of Tony Romo when I see him play. The throw style, the the way that he scrambles, the way that he moves, uh, just his body and how it moves when he throws, his head, how he just really, really reminds me of Romo. Romo, obviously not a super tall quarterback. Zappy, not a super tall quarterback. But they just sling it and they just make the right plays uh, that if you're a, the opposing defense, you're just unhappy because they just he just pulls plays. That's what he does. He's, he's awesome. Yeah, and I think he's the perfect guy to really operate and run this offense that they use. He does benefit a bit from the schematics of the offense, but I think that you need the right player. Like when you have offenses in college that are a lot of quick passing and screens hitch routes, drags, kind of like this is for Houston Baptist. Sometimes it's so easy for analysts and fans to say, oh, he only has such and such stats because everything's easy for him. Well, you need a quick thinking quarterback that says, all right, my first read's open. I'm just going to get the ball out quick. And most often or uh, more often than not, these offenses scheme open those early first reads intentionally, but you need a guy with quick release, a guy that thinks quickly, and a guy that can get the ball out quickly and all that good stuff. The only thing, though, I will say with Zappy, though, I think that uh, he needs to just be a little bit cleaner on some of his decisions. The game that I watched of him, uh, he tried to shovel pass it while he was getting sacked, and he threw it into an offensive lineman or a defender, and it, it almost led to a fumble. So you got to be a little bit smarter with that stuff. Don't force the ball into windows that are far too tight, like triple coverage. I think if he cleans that stuff up, he can go below 10 interceptions. But it's just being a little bit more patient, uh, thinking things through a little bit more, not overthinking and and being too quick to react. I had no complaints there. Uh, If you wouldn't mind, Joe, I'd love to get to our next quarterback here, who is Central Arkansas's junior quarterback, Braylon Smith. He was a preseason third-team All-American, six foot three, two hundred ten pounds. Last year, threw for three thousand seven hundred four yards, thirty-two touchdowns, sixteen interceptions, two-to-one ratio there. Uh, when I see Smith, it's hard for me to make a decision on this guy um, on whether or not how much I like him. Uh, I think he's very talented. I think he works his progressions properly. Uh, I also think that his wide receivers are phenomenal at Central Arkansas, and they help him out a lot. Um, it's not a bad thing, but it definitely, um, helps in the stats category. Uh, I mean, this is a guy that can, uh, make plays on his own and get a first down on his own. Uh, but he has the ability to rely on excellent receivers, um, which is not a knock to him. I just, uh, I'm just not completely sold on Smith yet. 
Yeah, I think he has that production, which really helps him. And I, I think the ball flies off his hand. It comes out really quick. One thing that I really love with quarterback prospects, the one thing that you can watch a ton of college quarterbacks and just be bored and be like, okay, he's you know he's decent. He does his thing. He could be more productive. But the one thing that always gets me really juiced up is seeing these guys that when things break down a little bit and he has to shift out of the pocket, he can throw off of off platform and a little bit of that sidearm Patrick Mahomes. I always reference that, that Patrick Mahomes-esque off-platform throw, and I see that with Braylon Smith. I saw one particular play where he had just had to shift out to the right behind the line of scrimmage, so he had a bit, a little bit more of an open lane to throw the ball, and he was able to throw off of an unclean stance and still deliver where he needs to go. The only thing I think with Braylon is that he does need to be a little bit more... I'm trying to think of a way to, to, to describe this. I just think that I saw a couple times where he was just too quick to decide. He threw passes to receivers that weren't open yet and he just ended up overthrowing them or throwing it into the sideline because and completely out of bounds because he thought guys were going to be there but they didn't end up being there and it didn't end up working out so I think he just needs to be think things through a little bit more uh, and be a little bit more concise with his decision making Sean our next guy and we managed to have three quarterbacks I think this is the first time we've ever had three quarterbacks very this, nice very this, nice this offseason round the first conference with three guys we have to talk about this guy even though he didn't really play a whole ton last year that is southeastern Louisiana quarterback Cole Kelly number 15 six foot seven 260 pounds he's not a tight end folks but he's a former transfer from Arkansas from what I've heard uh, 816 yards passing, 10 touchdowns, 20 passing yards, and also 10 rushing touchdowns. Now, I know, again, this doesn't sound like a very productive guy, but if you remember last year with Southeastern Louisiana, they were very dependent on rotating quarterbacks and using Chase and Virgil in certain situations, so neither guy started full-time. So now Cole Kelly is in this position where he can start full-time, and I think a lot of people are interested to see what he does because of how freaking big he is and what he can do as a quarterback. I uh, I really, really like uh, this Cole Kelly guy. I like his confidence when he walks on the field. Um, I don't see him as a tight end uh, one bit. Um he plays in a, a Patriot scheme, um, which makes me even more excited because I, I didn't realize how much I loved last year's Southeast Louisiana team um, until I saw the the whooping uh, that I, I watched again today that they put on Central Arkansas at Central Arkansas. Uh, it, he is um, commanding when he gets on the field and he's going to run it in if you let him and he's going to fake you out and throw a jump pass. If he has to, it, it's college football, you know, no one ever knocked Tebow for, for running the ball. I don't think that they, anybody should knock Kelly. I think he's got a really good arm. Uh, I think he makes good decisions and um, he doesn't force many bad balls uh, from what I've seen. Uh, he, he it's, it, it's a good amount of, of checking down. Um, but with that, I, I would too, if I had the, the running backs and, and small wide receivers that I did, at southeastern louisiana last year i mean they are so fast that you check it down you get a first down and i hate the term check down when it's designed flat to the running back uh play but if you watch it you're, you're if you watch that game uh, you'll see a lot of those passes to the running backs i don't think that matters as much to me man i think he's a really good quarterback uh, i think he carries out the plays and i think southeastern louisiana knows how to use him. it was kind of funny trying to hunt down kelly in some of these games because some some he didn't really get that many passing attempts, but the ones that he did, 
I had to sift through these two hour, three hour games on YouTube and, and just keep tracking through and skipping through. I'm like, where, where's Cole Kelly? Where's Cole Kelly? And then I was like, Oh my God, there's Cole Kelly. He's so tall. He <laughs> sticks out so much because of his size. And I love seeing quarterbacks that are, are gigantic. I love that. He's this big. Um, and you, as you could probably assume, because sometimes it's disappointing when you have these tall guys that don't have big arms. But I can tell you right now, Cole Kelly has a very big arm, like a, like a like he's a big pitcher, like a really tall, um, well built pitcher. So the, that tight end reference, though, Sean, I would like to say that I did. Whenever there's an instance each week that there's one guy that really sticks out to me, and I'm like, okay, I need to know more about this guy. I reach out to a friend of the show, Ryan Roberts who is a scout for NFL Draft Bible, does a lot of amazing work, really good up-and-coming uh, analyst uh, for the NFL Draft. And I texted him, I, I messaged him on Twitter, and I said to him, what do you think of Cole Kelly? And he said, he's really big. If he's smart, he'll probably end up switching to tight end if he wants to make it to the next level. So that he hasn't watched, I don't know how much he's watched on him, but he, he thinks that because of how big he is, he might be better off playing tight end, which we've seen before with guys. That's Mr. Roberts' opinion. Um, if I may, uh, I'm going to. Do you have any more uh, comments on Kelly? Uh, no, that's it. Okay, then uh, I will get us on to our first uh, running back here. And then <laughs> that came off way more serious than I intended it yeah, to. Yeah, it sounded I, like you're like, I love Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind scaring him a little you until on, he hears He'll this. come after you on, twi- uh, oh, on yeah, Twitter. Okay, you... <laughs> you, can, you can come after me. I'm not scared of Ryan Roberts. He's got, he's got uh, more ammo than you do. <laughs> Mickles, Mickles Jr. running back. Uh, Julian Gums, number 28 on the field if you're looking for him. Five foot ten, two hundred and thirty pounds. Last year ran for one thousand two hundred and thirty-two yards and sixteen touchdowns. Hey, folks, um, Ryan Roberts would never say this, but I will. If you ever want to see uh, an ATV uh, on a um, on a football field, that is Mr. Gums here. He is strong as all hell. He is fast. He is elusive. He runs on every plane. He's slippery. He runs through people. He runs around people. He reads holes right. Uh, I really like the way that he runs. Um, and if you watch it, you can see what I'm 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 going for here. Go ahead, uh, Joe. Any thoughts? Yeah, I just wanted to add in. I really like the the comment you make about him running like an ATV. I love guys that run the ball that are not too tall but have really good width. Where like when you weigh 230 pounds as a running back you're hitting guys like a hammer. You don't need to be 6'2". If you have 230 pounds and you have the burst of uh, Julian Gums, you're slamming into guys. And he, I think you see a lot of, and I remember we were we were watching tape uh, different games together and I pulled it up and you kept making these comments about how like, oh, he keeps falling forward for all these extra yards. I really love seeing that from Gums that he's just constantly fighting an aggressive runner. That is the perfect thing you want in a guy that's 5'10", 230 pounds as a running back. I think that he's going to go well over 1,200 yards uh, this next year. Watch out for another 16 to 18 touchdowns for him. I mean, he's just so fast. I'll, I'll, I'll make this brief because we got to get to the wide receivers here. He's so fast, you don't even notice how big his legs are. And then if you see him still just standing there, you're like, oh my God, he has got huge mammoth legs. Uh, that it doesn't make sense how fast he's going. Yeah. Uh, our next player, though, Sean, that we have onto the wide receivers, another Nichols player, Nichols senior wide receiver, the John Dixon, number five, six foot four, 200 pounds. 
54 receptions, 1,044 yards, and eight touchdowns last year. Sean, you watched a little bit more of him because you were really excited watching this Nickel State offense. What what did you really get away from uh, watching Dixon? You remember um, watching uh, old Randy Moss at Marshall highlights or just games? Do you remember how big his shoulder pads were? Yeah. Oh, yeah. How, how they just swallowed him. Well, that's kind of what uh, Dejon Dixon reminds me of, except it's not like he's wearing huge, huge pads. He is just broad. I mean, he is a broad wide receiver, uh, and you don't see wide receivers built like that anymore. They're, they're starting to trend a little more lean, a little more towards uh, Calvin Ridley kind um, or, or, or smaller and a little uh, jukier. Uh, but Dixon is just like you don't see it. He is just a big wide receiver, and he's fast. He's got good feet, and he runs gracefully. He's just it's just nutty. It's it's so funny that thinking that that he looks like Randy Moss, except his pads are probably three times smaller than his were. Yeah, yet another guy that we have on this list every week. There's just all these really really tall, lean long athletic receivers and, and Dixon adds to that. He has the, a really good frame. I love six foot four receivers. These guys are such weapons when it comes to performing in the red zone. And I think Dixon definitely falls under that, which is why he had those eight touchdowns. Now, Joe, uh, if we're going to be trading wide receivers that we are, we are high on here, I'll, I'll lead us into our next guy here. Houston Baptist senior wide receiver, Ben Ratzliff, number 22. Love that. Um, I don't get Six your obsession. Foot two, 190 pounds. Last year, 87 catches, uh, 1,140 yards, 12 touchdowns. Uh, I think he runs uh, strong in his routes. Uh, he's got really good body comp. Um, I don't necessarily know how fast to gauge him at. Um, I wouldn't clock him uh, as an, as a burner, uh, but rather he does everything else like like a pro would. Uh, that means he runs his routes well. He he looks the catch in. Um, he's confident. Uh, I I like this guy. Um, I just need a little more speed. Yeah, and he's not like this twitchy, quick-footed four-two guy. He's just very efficient. He runs his routes very tightly, and that's what allows him to create separation if he's not pressed on the line of scrimmage. Saw him on a, a, a deep post type route concept that he slithered to an extent his way through a defense and caught the ball right in the end zone from Bailey Zappi. Sean, though, I gotta know though, what is the obsession with the number twenty two with receivers? Is it like a like a Doug Flutie thing that you like seeing guys that aren't running backs wear twenty two, or what is it? It's just rare and it's cool. Like it just reminds me of old football, you know. Yeah, and that's I'm not fair. Like, I'm not like the you know the good old days where they you know they smoke cigarettes on the sideline and drink whiskey <laughs> at halftime. You know I'm not I'm not trying to like get all all that on you, uh, but it's just kind of it's and no one's doing it as like an homage to those days. I get that, but just seeing 22 like catching the ball on routes just looks super cool to me. That's all. All right, that's fair. It's like the old days when linebackers wore numbers in the 60s because they were also offensive linemen. So I, right. I can kind of see what you're going for. Uh, it is kind of fun seeing 
receivers wear numbers in the 20s. Our next player, though, does not wear a number in the 20s, so Sean is a little bit disappointed in this guy. Uh, Central Arkansas okay, wide so. receiver <laughs> Lawan Winningham. Uh, he was a preseason All-American, as a lot of these guys were. Six foot three, 190, 50 receptions, 850 receiving yards, and eight touchdowns. Not overly productive, but he did have a really big game in his first game of the season against Western Kentucky. He had a number of spot big games, but man, I, I can see why he was a preseason All-American. I think a lot of people know that he has that Aaron Parker type potential, if you will, that even though he didn't go over a thousand yards his junior year or the previous year, he is set and primed to do so in this upcoming season. I think he's a really, he looks incredibly flexible. Um, he's the most fluid moving wide receiver we've covered so far, uh, it, during this, this preseason, um, teams focus and players focus. Uh, and I don't know how to describe it. I mean, he's like water moving out there on the, on the field and just the way that it's not like a Lynn Swan contortion type deal. It's just more of, you're just satisfied watching him go up and get balls and see how he how he runs and evades. Um, it's a very satisfying to, to watch Lawan Winningham play football. Yeah, big playmaker, obviously. A huge target for Braylon Smith last year. And I love seeing continued chemistry from guys that are returning with duos of receivers and quarterbacks. So that is going to be you know a pretty big uh, returning group to pay attention to in the Southland. Now, if you don't mind, I would like to uh, take the listeners to the patch. Uh, yes, to the patch. Our offensive line uh, analysis here, and normally we go over a couple, but this is an exceptional episode here. Uh, Nichols Sr., P.J. Burkhalter, number 64, typically plays left guard, preseason All-American, six foot three, 330. Um, he's the only lineman we're covering today because I think he deserves um, to have this singular focus on him. He is phenomenal. I love what this guy does. I love everything about him. Uh, his mentality, his physicality, his aggressiveness, I, I, his feet. His feet. I, I was watching a, a, a play, a run play, and normally with offensive linemen, you're supposed to take a, a trigger step, which is a six-inch step to, to get your feet going and, and get set but never overstep. And he trigger step stepped and then got his next foot into the ground so fast that on screen it looked like he had just jumped right into the air uh that is very uncommon and it is exceptional uh he is strong he's got a huge build um i'm sure uh, that that scouts are already looking at this guy i have him super high up on my list uh he's just a really really good offensive lineman and i am super excited for next year and folks, when we record, before we record, when we do our notes, what we typically sit and watch some film beforehand, and I have never heard Sean so excited to watch an offensive line. Like, he was, like, screaming in my ear. Okay, I was over the things that was... You were yelling in my ear over uh... the things that you watched Burkhalter do on okay, tape. Okay, you're making you me were... sound like a fanboy now. No, I'm just a I, passionate I'm not, an no, analyst. No, 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 no. I, exactly. <laughs> I don't think you're a fanboy. I think that that is just very good proof that you really like what he does and that he's very talented. I've never seen you that excited over a, 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 an offensive lineman, so that's that's big things for, for Burkhalter. Maybe Believe will cut that as the, as the, as the quote from the week. If not, I will. 
Okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> uh, right after that, though, we're transitioning to defense, Sean. Sam Houston State defensive lineman, Trace Mascaro, number 90, a second-team All-American preseason selection by Hero Sports, 6'1", 270. Last year, he produced 41 tackles, 15 and a half tackles for loss, mm. and five sacks. He's a very lean rusher. 270 does not look like his weight. He looks very compact, very lean. I think he could add a little bit more weight even if he wanted to. Very aggressive rusher, too. I, I saw him post up and, and and shove around some of these guards and tackles like it was nothing in the Lamar game that I watched. I'll talk a little bit more about this Sam Houston State defense in a second, but he is a, a very, very talented player on a group of guys that are collectively very talented. I think even if uh, Trace Mascaro didn't have all of that exceptional supporting staff that he has on that defensive line, he'd still be a very big force uh, where they'd have to consistently double-team him. Uh, but uh, to get into uh, what I was just getting into, we'll touch on Sam Houston State defensive tackle Joseph Wallace, uh, number 95 on the screen, six foot one, 315. Previously uh, with Texas Tech last year, recorded 21 tackles, 11 tackles for loss, and four sacks. And this is the guy that uh, would be deviated, is deviating all of the attention away from Mascaro. He, I mean, he is a massive individual in the middle of that defensive line. And if you don't double team him, you better have an All-American at guard or center uh, because he is going to uh, capture attention and just eat up space. Wallace is a wide dude. He takes a, he, like the perfect guy that you need as a nose tackle or, um, uh, a one technique that is and, just and taking. What are you gonna say? I was gonna say, and three fifteen is still light enough to be incredibly nimble. Yes. Oh, he's very nimble. He's very very quick footed for somebody that's three hundred pounds. And I, I'm just a perfect thing that you want in a guy that's a, a one technique that takes up space, doesn't allow guys to break off on double teams. Strong player. There were some plays where he was so quick that he shot past guards that were trying to pick him up in a you know zone blocking scheme and he just blew right through and made a play for a four-yard loss overall though Sean I have to talk about this whole unit because I had to take a guy off of the Sam Houston State defensive line off this list because we had so many guys and I was a little bit disappointed I had to do it but I just want to say as a whole this has to be one of the best defensive lines in the FCS this next year I watched uh not even that much time into the Lamar game, I came to this conclusion. They are so overwhelming. It is giving me anxiety to watch it in the in the in the in the thought of the how it must be like for the other opposing teams. Because the pocket collapses like like that. Like so quickly before anything can really develop. The pocket is collapsing. There's no room for quarterbacks to move. They're all so technically sound. They know what gap they need to be in. They know where they need to be. They're all really, really strong guys. They just shove and bully people and make plays in the backfield. Good luck moving the ball against that defensive line. You better be throwing the ball quick and getting it out as quick as possible every single play. You're not running the ball and you're not throwing deep passes. I don't like to make a, a ton of uh, FBS comparisons to FCS, but Sam Houston State's defensive line is is basically the FCS version of Clemson's, uh, from what I'm f from what I've seen so far. I mean, they are uh, a phenomenal group. 
It's kind of wow. like the the Christian Wilkins, Dexter Lawrence group, yeah, the Cleveland the Farrell across the board. Yeah. You're like, what are we gonna do with this? Yeah, um, and they all ended up being first rounders. That probably right. won't be the case for Sam Houston State, but they're all gonna be very very good players in 2020. Sean, we're talking about a guy though. Next, our last defensive lineman who actually didn't even play in the Southland last year, but still needs to be talked about for his notoriety. That is McNeese State defensive lineman Isaiah Chambers, six foot five, two sixty-five, and last previously was originally committed and played at TCU, transferred to Houston, contributed. Uh, a little bit, but they rotated a lot of different defensive line personnel groupings, so he didn't contribute a ton. This is a guy that is a former four-star recruit, and he is now going to be playing for this McNeese State defense. And I think that even though he didn't play in the Southland last year, he is very well going to make a name for himself. You know, um, I wasn't... Uh, incredibly thrilled to have someone that didn't play in the Southland last year on the list, but I'll defer to your judgment here uh, as a respected colleague of my brilliance. So uh, I'll, I'll give you that one, Joe. Uh, now, if I may <laughs> get into the uh, linebackers here, I'll start with Houston Baptist junior linebacker Brennan Young wears number 42, six feet tall, 215 pounds, Last year had 124 tackles, uh, 10 tackles for losses, and two interceptions. Uh, okay, Joe wanted me to make a note of this here. Member of the no, 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 I was gonna, I was gonna make a note of oh, this. Oh, you want to go ahead? You make the note here. Take over uh, then, brother. Yeah. First of all, Brendan Young and his linebacking mate Caleb Johnson is the best linebacking duo in the Southland. But I have to say, Brendan Young is very talented linebacker. But I also would like to acknowledge that he will be on the member of the Joe DeLeon FCS All Flow team. And these are guys with really great hair. Uh, I think that he has very nice hair. I would just like to acknowledge that. I've done that every single year. I, I, I haven't He's a made football it player, not a team, dog. But- <laughs> what? I mean, what are you taking him to the? I mean, come on, come on, man! I can't He's a football player. I can't appreciate his flow. I like guys that have good flow. Is there anything? Because I can't grow my hair out like that. You According know, to Colin Sutrick, I'm going bald. I know. What's, why the hell does that? Wait, I, I'm going to crush Delaware when we get to the CAA. I'm going to crush <laughs> Delaware. Um, oh man! I, I'd like for you to to note about. Uh, his ability to be a thumper and a, a true Mike yes. linebacker. That's yeah, what I, I like. I, we I, ended like up talking. Get... <laughs> we ended up talking about it a little bit too much. But I, I, he is <laughs> what you want in a Mike linebacker. He's not overly rangy. He's not like a fast light linebacker. He's not super heavy, but he seems way heavier and hits heavier than he is at two fifteen. Thumper, perfect guy that you want in the middle. No one is getting past him if you run between uh, B gap to B gap. He, he fills that, that area of space so well. He moves around. He seems just like a really intelligent middle linebacker that you want monitoring the middle of your, of your defense. Sean, though, I already alluded to him. Houston Baptist linebacker Caleb Johnson, 6'2", 220, 104 tackles, 11.5 tackles for loss, and six sacks. So this is the linebacking mate of Brennan Young. Two guys. Imagine that, Sean. You have two guys that go over 100 tackles. And Johnson is the perfect 
one-two punch for Brennan Young because Young is the more power. Caleb Johnson, on the other hand, is a little bit more speed. He's the guy that has all of the range, the guy that can play as the weak side linebacker and get moved around and, and use him in various situations. He's fast. He'll track the ball down. He cleans things up. It's exactly what you want in a Will linebacker. I definitely like um... – I'm now trying to think of uh, pro linebackers that that complement each other like that. Um, I think I got a really I got a really good one for you. Please. This is in a current one: the Luke Keekley Thomas that, Davis. That's what I jumped to, but Keekley's yeah. so fast himself. That, he, that's he's the immediate. Fast. That's yeah. what I went to uh, immediately. But I have another one: the Danny Trevathan Roquan Smith. Duo I love that because love Trevathan's that. a little yeah. bit heavier. He's still fast, but he's just like a lot of. He's not as quick as he used to be because he's, he's closer to thirty now. But Roquan Smith is one of the fastest linebackers in the NFL, and he is the perfect weak side linebacker because good, one guy's Joe. fast, cleans it up. That's exactly what you're looking for. Very good. That 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 um, you're I on know fire my linebackers. Today. You're on fire I love, today. I I am good with linebackers. I love talking about linebacker duos. Well, I love talking about defensive backs. So I will start no, with Central Arkansas's senior cornerback Robert Rochelle. Preseason second team All American, six foot one, one ninety five, six foot one, one ninety five. For the people in the back, the top FCS <laughs> cornerback by DraftScout.com last year, eighteen passes defended, fit five interceptions. Joe, how do you not like this dude? It sounds like you were on an infomercial. Nineteen ninety five. You heard that right? It's nineteen ninety five. Yeah, I, I Rochelle is. The best draft prospect coming out of the Southland. He's very highly rated by uh, DraftScout.com, which, Sean, I was telling you before the show and explaining a little bit deeper, is pretty much the go-to source for FCS analysts when looking for draft prospects. If you ever want to go check out those lists, I fully encourage you to, but that has been a reoccurring resource for us over the past year and six or seven months, ever, however long we've been doing it. Rochelle, though, really long corner. I... I I love corners with long arms because it is such an advantage when dealing with opposing receivers. It makes things so much easier for these guys when it comes to tackling and pressing. And as you would expect for a guy with long arms, he's very handsy. He's aggressive. He'll shove the heck out of you at the line of scrimmage. He gets away with it. No one ever catches him. And that's perfect. That's exactly what I want in an, uh, an outside number one corner to shut down your best tall uh, explosive receiver that you're facing. Uh, yeah, he he is a top-rated draft scout uh, because he easily deserves to be. Now, if I may, you know I love the Southeastern Louisiana defense here. I I, I love that team. Uh, the next player on our list, uh, junior defensive back Fernando Jordan or Fernando Jordan, uh, wears number 23 on the field, a preseason All-American, six foot tall, 180. Six foot tall, 180. <laughs> Is that the last bit we're doing year, now? <laughs> last year. Oh, just let me get to the next guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you the, can uh, do him. <laughs> last year, five interceptions, three touchdowns, 13 passes defended. The guy is a, a threat. He is a threat on the field. He will take out your best receiver, and he will take the ball and go down and score with it. Normally, uh, a high touchdown. Uh, normally, guys will have two touchdowns in their career. 
uh, for playing four years, and that'll be uh, really remarkable. This guy had three in one season. Uh, you, you just, you're so excited when you see him playing. That is astronomical to me. The the dude housed three picks. It's like every... I'm pretty sure they were all picks, but that's three of the five times he's picked the ball off, he's returned it. So why are you throwing in his direction at that point? I mean, point? there's a 60% average that that if he does intercept that you're going to go down another six points. Yeah, the, the ball <laughs> skills for Jordan are so good. They're incredible. And I guess it's uh, it makes a lot of sense why he wears number 23. Because he's got really good ball skills. He makes a lot of really good plays with the ball uh, and and picking it off, which is not always the case for some of these defensive backs that have bricks for hands. That was a reach, but you salvaged it. Now Whatever. on to our last corner here. McNeese State's uh, senior cornerback, Darian Dunn, preseason third-team All-American. Six foot one, one ninety two. Joe, say this last one with me, please. Six, Six foot, foot one, one ninety two. That Thank was you. so off. It's going to be off in the recording. Forty two tackles, five interceptions, eleven passes defended. I love this crop of three defensive backs that we have selected from the Southland. I like how Dunn plays. I like that he's got a high tackle number in forty two. Five picks. Why are you throwing him the ball that often? Uh, a big bright side uh, for Dunn coming into this uh, final season of his career. It, it's kind of ironic that it came to this in the Southland that all these previous weeks we've talked about like, oh, these FCS corners aren't as tall. These really tall receivers dominate these small FCS corners. But we managed to have a week of three guys that are corners that are over six feet tall. That is really good size for a corner. And there's a reason why that it's so advantageous to be tall and have that additional length. Because when you face off against receivers that are 6'3", 6'4", you can still reach and at least make a play on the ball. Yeah, I mean, Winningham 6'3", Dixon 6'4", and Ratzliff 6'2". You need that. You need that height. Sean, now we're going to transition to talking about the guys to watch sleepers fallers you name it all that good stuff but before we get to it i have to fill in our listeners on our message from our sponsor which is bet online as it has been every single week while you're waiting this out at home quarantine is slowly starting to open back up you can still have some fun betting with our partner betonline.ag the nba nhl has announced plans to potentially come back soon mlb today as we're recording this, says they have a plan in place to return at some point. Sports are going to be coming back, meaning you can start betting again on Bet Online. And if not, NASCAR is still here. They also have UFC to bet on, Madden and 2K simulations if you're missing out on basketball and football, as well as their online casino with poker and blackjack. Be sure to check out also the final dance with round table interviews from ex Chicago Bulls Horace Grant. Bill Cartwright, Craig Hodges, and Ron Harper as they discuss the Michael Jordan doc in full detail. They're still fun to be had, so go to betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100 to receive your welcome bonus on your final deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. Sean, thank you for uh, increasing the font size while I was doing the read. Um, I can 
I, I'm not even going to lead into this. The, your player to watch, Sean, I can already sense your excitement. Who, who could you guess? Who do you think <laughs> Sean is picking? And it's the first time he's picked someone from this position group, despite being so obsessed with talking about them. I don't think it is. I think I have picked uh, players from this position group before. So uh, I don't know run that. that run that tape back and then get back to me. Um, How about my you player to watch this year? Uh, <laughs> I didn't make the accusation, brother. Uh, <laughs> my player to watch here is PJ Burkhalter. If you're watching him, you will immediately understand what I have been saying. You will turn on a Nichols game and you will just watch dominance. You'll watch offensive line, how it's supposed to be played. And that's why he is my player to watch. Thank you, Joe. I decided to go defense this week, which is a bit of a rare occurrence for me. I have a pick and an honorable mention. Robert Rochelle, the corner from Central Arkansas, is going to have a dominant year this upcoming season for that secondary. I think he is going to be the premier FCS corner prospect uh, that we're going to see in this draft class. He's already projected as a seventh rounder. I can see that ceiling going up for him. Things for FCS guys only go up and continue to improve. This is not going to be like this past draft class because of all the the quarantine and uh, coronavirus issues and, and halting those guys and that stuff. Rochelle is going to benefit from a normal draft cycle. He'll probably get invited to the combine. I can see all of that stuff happening because he has exactly what teams want in uh, the, the size and length of a corner. Rochelle is going to be really, really good next year for the Central Arkansas team. Uh, honorable mention, though, I, I wanted to mention Isaiah Chambers. I'm not too sold on this, but I do think it's worth talking about that uh, you're getting a guy coming from the American. I think that he could either come in and do his job and help him contribute, or he could come in and completely shock everyone and be a dominating force. And I think that he has that talent being a former four-star recruit, to do all that stuff. So we'll, we'll have to pay attention to Chambers. That's why he was my honorable mention that. I think he, you need to at least remember that name because he could very well blow up. Sean, who is your sleeper pick? What Thank team you. do you think is going to be a surprising team? I'm actually disappointed you didn't pick the, the team that I picked, but I, I'm curious well, to hear this. Okay. I chose Houston Baptist. Uh, because I very much enjoy the play style of Bailey Zapp. I do. I think that his connection with Ratzliff uh, uh, is very good, um, but I also really like their linebacking core. And I, I, if we're competing linebacking core versus defensive line of, of, of Sam Houston, so be it. But I think Houston Baptist has a, a really good quarterback, and they have uh, probably two of the best linebackers um, in the Southland so I'm going with Houston Baptist, Houston Baptist as my uh, sleeper. Sean, you're not going to believe this. I wrote the wrong team down. I meant to put down Houston Baptist. I mixed I, it up with Sam Houston State. <laughs> I didn't know if I had done the same thing. Also, at the beginning of that, I see. I thought. I thought for. I thought I wrote down Houston Baptist. I was reading my name for yours, and I was like, Oh no! Oh no! I did this. No, but we did end up agreeing here. How can we not talk about Houston Baptist as this sleeper? They because have... I wanted to choose Sam Houston State, I think, but I convinced myself otherwise. I, I don't. <laughs> during the show, I convinced myself otherwise, dude. I'm like talking about the defensive line and the. In so the are preview. you telling me? I, we might have just done a complete in... reversal, and oh I just God. got completely swayed. I hate you. 
Um, uh, (laughs) yeah, but in all seriousness, though, it's deserving to talk about Houston Baptist because of the fact of you're getting this returning duo, uh, at the linebacking core, they've got a pretty decent defense. Uh, and I really like the fact that you're returning an all American quarterback in Bailey Zappi overall across the board. I think that the fact that they went five and seven, two and six in conference puts them in a prime position to shoot their way up into that seven and five conversation and mess around with these teams like McNeese State, who's not even eligible for the playoffs and and maybe cause some problems for a Sam Houston State type program. I think at least one of these teams that made it to the playoffs last year is not going to make it. And if Houston Baptist is going to squeak their way in, it's going to be past one of those teams. Sean, speaking of teams not making it, if we're talking about a faller, who do you see as that as that that fall? Sean, did we did I did we fill in the wrong team in the wrong? They flipped. Why did our names flip? Because I think you wrote it. I don't know. Who did you pick? I picked Southeastern Louisiana. Okay, and and fill us in on that. We apparently we don't know how to do show notes. What the We're doing was this it because for two, I, over two my, years was my font shift the destruction of our of our apparently. Teams? <laughs> What Go the ahead, hell? Tell, tell okay, us about Southeastern so, so, Louisiana. Yeah. Um, I, I I just think that their offense was so electric and dynamic last year. I think they're losing a lot of very key pieces to that. Um, I, they just I, I don't see them replicating that exact same play style two years in a row. And if you think that's unfair, that's fine. But they were such a um, they're not a flash in the pan, but they were uh, somewhat of an extended flash of the pan. Uh, because it was so fun to watch, and it's hard for me to to get on board and say, yeah, they're going to do the exact same thing again. So I, I just have to pick them as my follower, as, as, as much as it hurts to say. That was a close second for me, and it really rests on the hands of Cole Kelly and what what he can do with that offense. But if you look across the, bo- the board, they're losing a lot of key contributing players, including their best offensive weapon in uh, – Brandon Schwabel, their tight end. So he's gone now. I just I see that that being a potential for a, a senior heavy team to lose out of making it back to the playoffs. But uh, my pick ended up being McNeese State. I think that the fact that they're not even eligible for the playoffs might be enough to point at the fact that they might not really be in a prime position to do well this season. I think that the it's hard to rally a team that doesn't have anything to work towards. Sometimes I think that might be just a little bit, and I know it sounds like I'm being very negative, but it's tough as a coach to rally a team on on, on those premises. So uh, I think that's enough to hurt them. I think that they're also losing a couple key contributors uh, on offense and defense. So I, I just don't see them as a 7-5 and five team. I see them losing a couple more games than they did last year. Sean, if you had to pick a team to win, who would you pick? I'm going to take Nichols. Um, I think they're fundamentally sound. I really like Gums. I like their offensive line, obviously, even aside from um, uh, Burkhalter. I think the rest of their offensive line is sound. I think their defense plays hard. And uh, Central Arkansas is still a little inconsistent for me. And I know that's hard to say, given that they were 7-2 and two last year and won the conference. Uh, I'm going with Nichols. I think that they are a... Um, a really good ball club. Yeah, I, I see that selection of nickels, and you tend to favor teams of guys that you really like. And I understand that that philosophy, but I have to go with Central Arkansas, the team that won last year, nine and four. I think that even though they lost a couple key pieces, 
they have exactly what you need to continue the momentum. A returning starting quarterback in Braylon Smith. You're you're returning Lawan Winningham. You're not getting back your star running back, but you still have those pieces from last year that are enough to continue the momentum going forward. And they also recruited very well, Sean, if you remember that. So I, I'm really a big fan uh, of what Central Arkansas is doing, and I think that they're starting to develop themselves into a, a reoccurring winner in the Southland. Okay, also, we'll Sean, see. Yeah, and also, Sean, last year we were both wrong. We both picked Nichols. So we are only uh, the one time we were correct. This is yet another time that we were we were wrong. That hurts. You don't have anything to say? What else do you need me to say, Joe? It's a we're at 52 <laughs> minutes. What else do you these people couldn't get a they couldn't get more Southland coverage. I what did you want me to do? You want me to talk about what each coach was having for dinner tonight? Is that how much coverage you need? I think not. If you are unsatisfied with this episode, I don't know what else you need from us. Uh, you know what? I'll close it out. You can follow Maybe us. Maybe too much bickering. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter myself at Sanderson Radio, Joe at Joe DeLeon. You can follow Believe Podcasts, the uh, the wonderful hosts of this show, at Believe Podcasts on Twitter. You can find us anywhere you find a podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Google Play Store. Yeah, I even remember that one, Joe, and I never do housekeeping. What else do I have? Yeah, feel free to give us a rating, a review, anything that you want. Okay, Joe, I didn't mind it. Whoever left it, I hope you were satisfied a little this week. If not, let us know. Give us a follow. We'll give you a a a chat and see what you're looking for. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> you can check out, if you don't like us, uh, you can check out some of the other uh, extraordinary uh, podcasts being um, covered by I Believe. There are so many right now, it is hard to count. Um, but if you don't dig us, I promise you, you'll dig something else. Uh, next week, what? we'll be getting another conference out for you. Uh, don't know what it is yet. Joe has that in the notes all prepped. Uh, But we will get hard to work, and we will be back next week for you. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.